Hi, this is Stuart Weems and welcome to the Investopoly podcast. My goal is to give you simple, easy to understand strategies, insights and tips to help you master the game of building wealth. And firstly, apologies for the interruptions over the last couple of weeks. I've only released one podcast episode over the last three weeks uh, as I've been away, uh, but I'm back now and uh, looking forward to getting back to my uh, normal weekly schedule. Uh, In this episode, I want to talk about um, inheritances. And particularly, I want to talk about it uh, from two sides. Uh, That is uh, planning on receiving inheritance uh, and then what do you need to know if you're planning on uh, passing on an inheritance or creating uh, intergenerational wealth. So let's talk about receiving inheritance uh, firstly. Uh, I mean, if we think back, you know, the baby boomers, uh, I mean, a, a lot has been written about how well the baby boomers have done. And they've really enjoyed a, a long period of economic growth uh, in the share market as well and also in the property market. And whilst baby boomers haven't really benefited from compulsory superannuation uh, because that only began in 1992, uh, certainly other assets like share markets and, and property market have uh, more than compensated them for that. Uh, and in fact, uh, what's called a inheritance tsunami uh, is coming our way and uh, the amount of inheritance left each year is predicted to reach uh, $224 billion a year by 2050, uh, which is a fourfold increase uh, to what it is uh, today. So really there's a lot of wealth that's going to be passed on to the next generations um, and it creates a, a massive financial planning opportunity really for them. Uh, so what do you do if you expect to receive an inheritance? Um, I think you can plan for it, but I wouldn't necessarily rely on it. And and I guess that depends uh, on the size of the inheritance expected and your family's uh, circumstances. Of course, we all understand that circumstances can change quickly. So if we rely on a particular inheritance, we've got to be really careful Because the benefactors, which often our parents, might end up spending all their money or, in fact, losing on a poor investment, changing their mind and leaving it to charity. You know, anything can happen. Uh, If if it's a massive inheritance, then I guess you can rely on receiving some of it, perhaps, uh, if that's the indications that they've provided you. Um, But if there isn't a lot of money, well, then maybe there, there might not be a lot of money at the end of the day. And in respect to family circumstances, you know, if there's a risk of conflict um, between potential beneficiaries, then it's possible you might not receive the amount that you expect uh, or within the timing that you expect. And, you know, if you have a conversation with an estate lawyer, they'll tell you that money and families rarely mix well and otherwise well-functioning families uh, can deteriorate very quickly when there's a pool of assets to sort of quabble over. Um, So that's something to be really conscious of as well. Therefore, typically, when developing a strategy for a client, I don't like to rely on inheritance, again, unless there's some exceptional circumstances. However, if you are certain you will receive an inheritance, or in fact it's imminent, what, you know, what, what 
can you do or how do you change your investment strategy? Well, there could be a couple of things. You might decide to delay investing or invest less each year so that you can spend more money on you know, lifestyle benefits and so forth, knowing that you'll be compensated or you can make up for it as a result of receiving the inheritance. Or in fact, you might go the other way. You might say, look, we'll, we'll be a little bit more aggressive with our borrowings uh, and borrow to invest now, uh, knowing that um, receiving the inheritance will be you know, a, a way to repay debt uh, eventually in the long run. Of course, it's going to really depend on your circumstances and your existing asset pool, etc., etc. If my clients are to receive an inheritance, I would almost always want them to receive it via a testamentary trust. And so for this uh, to be the case, uh, what needs to happen is the testamentary trust needs to be in the benefactor's will. Again, typically uh, for most people, it's their parents. So you need to make sure that your parents have a testamentary trust in their will. And I like that. I like this for a couple of reasons. Uh, firstly, uh, a testamentary trust can, can distribute to minors and they're taxed at adult uh, tax rates, which means that you can distribute around $20,000 a year to a minor, a grandchild, a child, a great-great-grandchild, whatever it might be, uh, $20,000 a year and not pay any tax. So from a tax planning perspective, both on income and capital gains, uh, it can be a very tax-effective vehicle. Secondly, of course, uh, a testamentary trust is much like a discretionary trust, which gives us discretion on how we distribute monies, capital and income uh, monies. Uh, and that, again, gives us some tax planning opportunities. And finally, it provides a level of asset protection. Um, and particularly if, you know, we're going to leave some money to a, a, a beneficiary that may be about to go through a relationship breakdown or something like that. Well, if the money goes into their personal name, then that's part of the um, relationship asset pool and that money is at risk. Whereas if we put it into a testamentary trust, you know, it's somewhat protected from that uh, and hopefully avoids a, a family law action and getting caught up with that. So if you are expecting to receive an inheritance, uh, you need to check with the benefactor to see whether they, their will includes a testamentary trust. Now, of course, this can be a bit of a delicate conversation uh, and, and it's not always one that's possible to have. Um, but sometimes just referring them to a good estate planning lawyer can be a good way to sort of indirectly deal with the issue uh, to make sure that you're going to receive that inheritance uh, tax effectively. In terms of receiving inheritance, the only other bit of advice that I would have is uh, record keeping can be a bit of a nightmare. Uh, and it might be something, uh, an issue that you can kind of get in front of and, um, and avoid or resolve it sooner rather than later. Uh, but for example... I've had clients receive inheritances that include uh, a direct share portfolio, for instance, uh, and the person might have owned these direct shares for you know, a long period of time, sometimes since the 1980s. Um, it'll include the usual names like CBA and BHP and Telstra, you know, and, and the, the person, the, the benefactor, might have purchased those stocks when they first listed on the ASX, you know, so they've held them for a lot of time. They've probably done dividend reinvestment. And the big problem is record keeping and working out what the tax cost base of those uh, shares are because you inherit, the, you inherit also the cost base of those assets. And so then to work out whether we keep or sell them or 
keep some and sell some, uh, we need to think about, you know, what are the tax consequences of doing that? Uh, and in some situations, uh, clients have had to rifle through, you know, handwritten notes, uh, paper records, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, if, if uh, you have an older family member, you know, making sure that they've got a good process of managing their own wealth and particularly looking after these sorts of things is not only going to help them, uh, you know, keep their um, financial situation in good order, uh, but ultimately when it transfers to you, it's going to be a, a far less painful process. So again, sometimes there's not much you can do about these things, but just something really to keep in mind. Okay, let's talk about the second part now is that that is, you know, if you plan to leave an inheritance to um, your desired beneficiaries, uh, again, could be children or family members, whoever that might be. Uh, often, you know, when clients approach me, they say, look, Stuart, I want to develop a plan because obviously we want to have a comfortable retirement, but also I want to help my kids down the track. And quite often, you know, it's about getting into the property market. And what I try and counsel clients to do is say, look, look after yourself first for a couple of different reasons. The first one is that if you do everything possible aimed at building your own asset base now, uh, then you'll be in a, a situation and a position where hopefully you've got surplus assets, and, you know, surplus to your needs, and therefore you'll be in a really good position to help children if and when they need that help. And the second reason is it is difficult to really forecast, you know, what sort of help a, a, a child might need or a, a beneficiary might need and when. Uh, and then planning around that makes it a, a little bit challenging as well. As well. So uh, really just uh, focus on yourself. Uh, take all reasonable steps to maximise your own personal wealth. Uh, and that will put you in a really strong position to help uh, whichever beneficiaries you want to help down the track. Uh, one observation is that, you know, the average age of receipt of inheritance is 52. Um, but if we think about it, by 52, most people are already well established from a financial perspective. You know, they've got the family home, they've probably got the mortgage under control, you know, maybe they've got some other investments, super, etc., etc. So in one sense, perhaps inheritance is kind of received too late. Um, that being said, however, I've always thought um, buying your first home is a bit of a rite of passage. You know, it teaches people some really valuable lessons like the value of saving, delayed gratification, good cash flow management, power of compounding growth, and so forth. And so sometimes, you know, dealing with that struggle to buy the first home is an incredibly valuable life lesson that sets people in really good stead in the future. So if you agree with that sentiment, then um, I think helping kids uh, to some level is good, but helping them too much um, uh, might rob them of the opportunity to enjoy those life lessons. So I guess what I'm saying is that there is some benefit of making early inheritances, early gifts, while you're still around. You know, don't leave it until uh, it gets dealt with through your estate, through your will. Um, and uh, helping beneficiaries uh, even to get into the property market is good, but helping them too much is not so good. Um, if you're going to make gifts, however, make sure that there's an offset clause in your will so that if you make uneven gifts, so if you've got two children, for example, and you've made gifts to one child because they're 
because of their circumstances warrant it, but nothing to the other child. And your desire is to ensure that you, both children get an equal share of your estate. Then you need to have an offset clause in your will that says, if I've already gifted monies, that needs to be taken into account when the asset pool is uh, divided up. And of course, uh, you've got to be careful not to give away too much and compromise your own retirement. I just did some work uh, recently for a client where they wanted to help uh, their two children again get into the property market and we want to work out you know how much is too much uh, and uh, of course they don't didn't want to uh, compromise their own retirement uh, and that could potentially mean that not only do they compromise their lifestyle and standard of living uh, but they eventually end up being perhaps a financial burden on their children which they didn't want to do uh, naturally. As I described in the first part of this podcast, uh, money and family really mix well and you can have situations where there's conflict where maybe there shouldn't be conflict. So if you're planning on leaving money to you know, beneficiaries and future generations and so forth, um, there's a couple of things that you can do to kind of minimise conflict uh, or the occurrence of conflict. Uh, firstly, be as open as possible as you can with your about your wishes. You know, if one party is excluded from your will or they're going to receive less than other parties, be upfront about that, share the, your reasonings and so forth. So it doesn't come as at a surprise and therefore they're less likely to react in a, you know, a aggressive manner or a confrontational manner. Secondly, as I just spoke about, it's sometimes better to give money uh, away while you're still alive. Um, you could control that process, of course, uh, and also you get to enjoy, you know, seeing how that, that gift is, has benefited those people as well. And finally, if you think there is a higher probability of some conflict, uh, then sometimes it's best to keep assets out of your personal name. So there is nothing in the estate to sort of fight over. And you can do that by uh, holding assets in, in family trusts, and therefore you just hand across control of the family trust. But but whatever's in the family trust doesn't end up in your estate. Uh, if you own property uh, jointly with other parties, uh, if you own property jointly, it means that and one of those joint owners dies, uh, the ownership of that property automatically passes to the remaining joint owners. So husband and wife own a property, for example, husband passes away, wife automatically owns the remaining portion of that asset. And in fact, that ownership percentage doesn't even go anywhere near that person's estate um, and then nominating other individuals for superannuation benefits because superannuation falls outside of uh, your will. Uh, so there are ways where you can keep a lot of assets outside of your estate uh, and therefore you know that there's less chance of your will being challenged if, if that's going to be a, a risk. Of course, if you have, you know, financial complexity, blended families, uh, these sorts of things, uh, of course, it's important to get good financial and legal advice to, to deal with those matters. So just to sum up, inheritance is a, it can be a, a big sort of financial planning issue, uh, you know, making sure if you, if you expect to receive an inheritance, making sure that it's received tax effectively, you know, and you can build that into your strategy. And, and similarly, if, if you expect to have surplus assets, you know, how are you going to leave them to your beneficiaries over what time and how are you going to manage that process? Okay, that's it for me for this week. I hope you're enjoying the podcast. And if you are, please do leave a rating. Uh, it certainly helps with the rankings. Uh, and until next week, bye for now.